Welcome to episode 90, that's right, 90 episodes of Monday State of Mind. My name is Michael Mosel, and I'm the Director of Alumni and Recovery Support Services for the Harmony Foundation. I kicked off January 2022 with what I believe is an amazing topic to kick off the new year with, which is talking about family and recovery. It's a hot topic, and I've had a lot of requests to talk about family and recovery. And so I was like, cool, you guys requested it. I'm going to find some amazing humans to come on here to share their experience and how they have navigated their family dynamics, how they were able to now bring their recovery to the table. What does a healthy relationship look like with family, right? There's a lot of things that come into play when a lot of us get sober. And one of the biggest things a lot of us think about is, our family dynamics, whether they're going to accept us or not, whether they're going to judge us, whether it's going to be awkward, right? All the things. So I got some amazing guests here to talk all about their experience. So I do want to let you know, if this is your first episode of tuning in to Monday State of Mind, uh, head on back to episode one if you get a chance and take those first five minutes to get to know me, yours truly, a little bit better, or just peruse some other episodes. Because like I said, we have now 90 episodes of amazing content for all of you to be able to listen to and just really elevate your state of mind so that it works for you and not against you. Okay. Are you guys ready for this guest? Because let me tell you, when I thought about family and recovery, I thought about this woman and I tell you, this chick, she packs a freaking punch. I mean, and why I love this human so much is for her just seriously, like radical transparency is what I'm going to call it. She is transparent. She is honest as I'll get out. And she's just smart, you guys. She's been doing this recovery thing for a hot minute and she has a lot of knowledge to gift all of you listeners. And so let's get going, get into a space where you can get really present with this podcast. And now I'm going to go ahead and let this amazing human introduce herself to the world. So please, who do I have the pleasure of having on Monday State of Mind? Oh, hello. Hello, Michael. My name is <laughs> Megan Hauschultz. I work at Harmony as well. I'm the intensive outpatient counselor, virtual AM group counselor. I have been with Harmony for nine years now, which is insane to me. I was a counseling tech up there for most of that time. And I have been in recovery for 13 years and I'm also a Harmony alumni. And I went to Harmony Foundation in 2008 and it was my last, not my first, but my last treatment center. And I'm very happy to be here today. Ah, you guys, Megan, I tell you, if you don't know Megan, you're going to need to get to know Megan. Well, you're going to get to kind of know her today. Megan, let's just dive into this. So I asked you to talk about family dynamics, family and recovery. And as Megan just stated, you guys, she's been doing this for a few years now. And so I want to ask you, Megan, when you got into recovery, what did it look like for you with your family dynamic, not only just like I said, with your mom and dad, but then even as you morphed into a marriage, right? Like, what does that look like for you? When I first got clean and sober, 
I had a lot of amends to make. I wreaked havoc in my family's life for many years. And of course, as an addict, I want to have everything be okay overnight. I just want to be like, oh, I'm sober now. So everything's cool. Right. And that's just not how it is. Right. That instant gratification piece that I just love as being a drug addict was not coming to me. And it really took working the steps and really following through with step four and five, and then along with eight and nine. Right. So those are really just the um, resentment steps, looking at my own self and where I have caused harm and then going out and making those active amends with my family. And my parents were a lot more forgiving, I would say, than anyone else. My sister was really pissed. Like she she had a ways to come around, you know, because I had gotten sober and then relapsed and then gotten sober and then relapsed and over and over and over again. Did she accept me back into her life and then watch me? I mean, quote, unquote, fail. And it was hard, but really how I had to gather my family back up into my life was really just proving to them that I could be sober. And that just took more than overnight, right? It took more than weeks. You know, it took maybe more than months. And after a few years, I was put back in the will. God willing, I was put back in the will and my family started trusting me again because I was proving to them that I could maintain recovery. And not only was I maintaining sobriety, but I was maintaining this life that recovery had given me that I wasn't living before, where I was actually going to meetings. I was helping others. I was helping my community. I was doing the service work and they watched the change happen within me. And so it's just like, they knew that maybe this time was going to be different. And it was, it was a lot of hard work and it was a lot of patience and waiting and a lot of humility and a lot of shoving my own ego down to the ground so I could make those amends and actually mean those apologies. I love what you said that I feel so many of us, and I'll be the first to say that I struggled with that patience. We get sober and I'll speak for me. It's like, I wanted to go home and be like, look at me guys. My life is better. Why can't you be normal around me? Why can't family be okay? And it just, that wasn't the case. And so let me ask you, like, what were things that helped you, Megan, to maneuver or to first understand that it wasn't going to happen overnight? And what did you do to be able to continue to kind of, like I say, like trudge the road or to continue to have faith that your relationship with your family at some point would be okay? You know, I just had to let a lot of things go. My whole life has been built around me trying to control everything and everyone around me. And when I learned and actively started participating in letting things go and letting people go and letting those thoughts go that I could actually control my family and everything around me, I started to grow, you know, and of course those family dynamics are just insane. I would be on the same plane as a lot of my family members. And then I started to grow and they kind of stayed on the same plane and it freaked them out. They didn't know what to do with that. As I grew, they had to do their own growing, but they didn't realize that at first, because this is not just a single person's disease. This is a family disease, right? So my actions are going to affect every single person around me, right? I am going to ripple out to anyone who is in my way when I am using drugs and alcohol. Therefore, I had to do the same exact thing when I was in recovery, like a stone being thrown into the water. I had to ripple out love, acceptance, patience, kindness, and really just 
try to put myself in their shoes, you know, cause those very people that I resented, I also owed an amends to, and I had to cut them some slack. Like, you know what? Yeah. You deserve to be mad at me because here I am in my own little egotistical, small, small shell of a world thinking that I'm only harming myself. And what do you care? When really, I mean, I am absolutely taking them down with me. I'm taking them down with me that whole entire time I was using. And so I had to take a step back and realize that they too are hurt and they too need to heal themselves. And so I think just really allowing them grace and allowing myself grace to just be in the moment and to walk away when I need to. Ah, you like segued right into what else I wanted to throw at Megan today was you being able to walk away when you need to. And I think that that's something that's so important to talk about when it comes to family dynamics is that here we are going out and getting clean and sober and trying to better our lives. And then we come home and sometimes our parents or our husbands, our loved ones want us to be okay. And we need to set those boundaries. Mm -hmm. Sometimes as much as we love our family, we have to be able to protect our sobriety so that we can show up in a fashion that's going to be beneficial and helpful and not harmful to the family. And so I want to ask you, Megan, did you ever over your recovery journey, have you ever had to set those boundaries with your family? Because the way they were choosing to continue to live was not helping your new life path. Yes. And I continue to do this still. So I've always been like the drug addict or alcoholic of the family. And 13 years later in recovery, I've actually been in recovery longer than I was using drugs in my lifetime. And I still hear, oh, you don't remember when that happened, Megan, you were probably high, or it's probably because you were drunk, or it's probably because you weren't there because you were high and drunk. And it's just those little jabs that I still hear from my family thinking they're funny, clever, so on and so forth. And it's like where I have to really set those boundaries and say, Hey, you know what? Why don't we talk about what I've done in the last 13 years? Let's talk about that. Cause I don't live in my past anymore. So, I mean, I'm sorry if you're still resentful, but I've made my amends. So whatever this is going on right now, like it really has nothing to do with me. So that's when you walk away and say, okay, whatever's going on with that person has literally nothing to do with me. Even though they were jabbing at me, it has nothing to do with me. They're just in a bad headspace right now. And then I go to my car and scream. I just don't let them see me scream. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I love it. And I feel like so many people need to hear that. And that's something that I needed to hear. Like I needed to be validated if I didn't want to show up and partake in all of Christmas or all of Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. because I couldn't be around the family that it's okay. And I feel like a lot of us, there's this guilt that we feel getting sober. It's like, oh, but I should be there for my family because they put up with my sorry drunk ass. I should show up to Thanksgiving. I should, 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 should. And it's only harming us. Can you speak to any of that? And like, what would be helpful reframes for people that struggle with the feeling forever indebted to their family because we were such fuck ups when we were drinking and using? Yeah, no, absolutely not. You're not such fuck ups. What it comes down to is, hey, do you want me to live or die? Hey, do you want me to knock over the Christmas tree because I'm drunk this year? Do you want me to go to a meeting for an hour and then come back sober? So really it's just about kind of laying it out for them. And (sighs) I've gone to meetings on holidays. I've gone to meetings on Thanksgiving before where it's just like, hey, y'all are drinking. You go ahead and keep on drinking, do what you do. And that's fine. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go to a meeting. 
And they're just like, what? But it's Thanksgiving. How could you possibly leave the family right now? Okay. I've literally not been here for a billion Thanksgivings because I was drunk or high. So let me just excuse myself for an hour, hour and a half, go to a meeting, come back. So I don't start chugging the rest of the booze that's in the bottom of the glass because my family is that family where like, they don't drink everything in their glass, which is totally freaking weird. And then I'd be that <laughs> like finishing them off. Gross. Um, you all know what I mean though. You know, <laughs> oh, you know yeah, I mean. you've done it. So yeah, here it is. I gotta be assertive. You know what I mean? Like my, my recovery cannot be passive. I have got to be assertive with my recovery because if I'm not assertive with my recovery, I'm in big trouble. <sighs> You guys need to put what Megan just said on repeat. You need to listen to it before you go out with your family, pump your chest up, do the, like the Superman pose and be like, I freaking got this. I want to kind of fast forward now that, you know, you've been doing this for a hot minute and you're probably through the awkward phase, them getting into acceptance of your way of being. What has, when you look at your recovery and your family dynamic now, what does it look like now? as compared to when you were using and what are some shifts that you have seen that have happened for your, even your family members Mm -hmm. as a result of your choice to be sober? It's just one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, Megan's in recovery. You know, oh yeah, Megan doesn't drink. Oh yeah, Megan doesn't do drugs. Like I, I am just like this and I hate this word normal, right? I'm like this normal productive member of society now. And it would be a shock if I were to come home drunk. It would be a shock if I were to use drugs today. Whereas it was a shock if I wasn't high or drunk for a long time in my life. We just coexist with ease now. It's just not a thing. And I mean, people offer me drinks in restaurants when I'm with my family and they just kind of laugh like, yeah, right. Megan's not going to order a drink. And I tell people, you know, I tell waitresses and waiters, I'm like, Here's the deal. You give me some booze right now. I'll probably burn this place down within five minutes and you won't have a job. So you should probably just give me a Pepsi. I make jokes out of it and stuff and everyone laughs and whatever. My husband is also in recovery. I'm allowed to say that by the way, my husband is also (laughs) in recovery and we have two children and they don't know us as alcoholics or addicts, which is really kind of cool. We don't have alcohol in the house, so they don't see us using that as a tool to parent right now. Yeah. Ah, you're like foreshadowing what I'm going to be talking about next. That is so good. And I love that you can make fun of it. And you guys like, that's kind of like the fun in recovery, but you got to be able to like make light of some serious situations to be able to show, Hey, like, it's okay. I accept where I'm at because I don't want to make it awkward. Let's add some humor to it. Megan already just said what I wanted to segue into. So it's really quick. Megan is also a mom. I'm like, watch out. Megan is a mom and she has two kids. And like she just said, they will hopefully one day at a time, never have to see her or her husband drunk or high, right. you know? So here comes the impending question. Like, dun, dun, dun. So we just talked about Megan and her family. Now we're going to go into your family for a hot minute, Megan. When you think about your kids getting older into their teenage years, because a lot of parents stress, I know the new parents that are listening right now or some new parents are stressing, like, how do I tell my kids I'm an alcoholic? Or like, mm-hmm. they can't know that I go to book club, AKA AA. Have you thought about how you're going to communicate this to your littles? Yes. And just like a funny backstory really quickly. 
my daughter just the other day, like she knows I've been to jail. I don't even know how she knows what jail is, but she's six years old. She knows what jail is. Somehow it came up a long time ago. And she's like, well, how do you know about this? And I'm like, well, mommy's been to jail before for doing bad things when mommy was really sick. And so, you know, and then I'm like, you're too young. Like, we're not talking about this yet. I'll talk to you about it when you're older. Well, then some show came on the other day on TV and she saw people in jail and she goes, is that what it's like when you were in jail, mommy? And I'm like, please, God, don't go to school talking about when your mommy was in jail. Please don't. But she's probably going to. So there's that. But I'm going to be open with my kids. Right now, they're three and six. They're way too young to even grasp this concept of alcoholism. And I've tried to tell them what I do for a living. And we've talked to them about being in recovery. And that's why we don't drink or use drugs. And they think drugs are cigarettes. They don't know. But we tell them that's why we don't do this, right? Is because we did used to do these things. And they really hurt us. They made us very sick. And later on, we will talk more about this when you're older. So when they are older, I'm absolutely going to be an open book. I do have a history of prison. I do have a history of being in and out of jail and being incarcerated from my disease of addiction. And I will talk to them all about these things, but when the time is right. But for now, I have to parent and learn how to parent every single day sober or finding different coping skills because it's like, oh, I'll just go for a run when I feel like crap. No, that's not going to happen because I have small children and <laughs> they just can't stay home by themselves. Oh, well, I'll just go take a bath. Yeah, I do that a lot. Actually, I hand them a tablet. I say, here's your tablet for 30 minutes. I'm going to go take a bath, leave mommy alone. And sometimes I just have to put my three-year-old in his crib. He's still in a crib. Thank God. And know that he's going to be okay screaming and crying in his crib. He's not going to die. But if he stays out with me and I'm losing patience, that is when it becomes tricky to be like a sober parent, because I mean, oh my gosh, the stress of little kids, just constantly screaming, crying, throwing tantrums. And really you're just trying to create a space that's sacred for yourself and practice self-care and little kids shit all over that. They're like, oh, self-care. No, the fuck you did not try to do self-care mom. We are not having this. And so, yeah, it becomes challenging as a parent in recovery. And I've read some books and women are constantly writing books about how they drink a lot while parenting. And it pisses me off partly because I'm jealous (laughs) and partly because I'm like, okay, we can do this. We don't need to drink to be good parents. And then the other part of me is like, how come I didn't get to drink during my children's childhood, which is ridiculous, but that's the alcohol for me. (laughs) I love you, Megan. That's the thing, you know, it's not about being embarrassed about it. I think that there's power when parents can be honest so that they know that they have a person to turn to instead of feeling like, why didn't you tell me about this? I think that there's something to be said. And I know I'm not a parent, but I do think there's something to be said to, for being transparent, like you are Megan. Oh, this is so good. Okay. So Megan, as we're wrapping up, I have like two questions for you to answer for these amazing humans. And this will not be the last time that Megan's on the podcast, by the way. She she didn't know that. She's probably like, oh shit. (laughs) First question to the person who is struggling with their family and they feel like their family doesn't accept them or they feel like their family is going to look at them funny for the rest of their lives being 
in recovery and they feel like that their family's never going to be the same, right? That they're going to lose a part of them. What advice would you have for people that are afraid to lose what their family was, or they're so afraid of what their family's going to think about them now that they're sober? Yeah. So first of all, if you're brand new in recovery, hang on, because it's going to be a rough ride. It's not going to be all smooth and daisies and ponies. It's just not. But as soon as you come to that realization to where it's like, you know what? I got work to do. And if it's not uncomfortable, I'm not doing it right. I got to do the work. And by doing the work, there's going to be blood, sweat, and tears. Like you're going to cry. It's going to suck. It's going to hurt. And also you're going to come out the other side. Like, just remember that, right? There's always a light at the end of the tunnel and just hang on. That's all I have to say about that is literally just hang on. And sometimes with my family, I had to go find my other family when I felt like the outcast, when I felt excluded, when I felt like I wasn't being heard. So I'd go to a meeting and I would go talk to that family in a meeting and they would understand me and they would get me. And then I could go home and try to suit up and show up for the people who still probably don't understand me. Ah, <laughs> oh, guys, write that down. Okay. Last question for you from the mom side, Megan, for you being a mom that's in recovery, if a mom is listening to this or a dad, see, and a dad too, what would you say to that mom or dad who might be so terrified of their kids finally finding out or knowing that they are an alcoholic or an addict because, oh my gosh, like I'm not perfect. And if my kid knows I'm an alcoholic or an addict, I'm not cool anymore. And they're going to look at me funny. What would you tell them a good way to go about being able to even talk about it or just quit worrying so much about that label? Yeah. First of all, I don't come at this like from a place of shame. I'm an addict. And I say that not with any shame whatsoever but I'm an addict in recovery. We're survivors, y'all. You know what I mean? Like we're warriors. We have made it through hell and come out the other side. That is not to be taken lightly. And I'm using this as like more of like a positive thing than a negative thing to tell my kids, oh yeah, I know firsthand what it's like to be a drug addict. I know firsthand what it's like to invest in all of these people who don't give a shit about me. And so to be able to like, teach what I know to my children, instead of just like, don't do drugs, just say no, right. That's bullshit. That's a bunch of bullshit that doesn't work. Nancy Reagan. And what it really comes down to is experience. And if we have experience with this, why not share it with the world? Why not share it with our children and use this as a teaching moment? I also have to tell myself, cause I'm terrified of my children becoming addicts and alcoholics. They don't have to live in my story. They have their own story. They have their own book. They don't have to follow in my footsteps in that way. And hopefully they will just hear what me and their dad have to say about drugs and alcohol and the places that it can take them. If they even hear any of that at all in 10 years or whatever, 15 years, then I would say my whole addiction was worth it. All the years that I went through hell was worth it. I was getting a little emotional over here. There you have it. Megan spitting mad fire for all of you. I hope that you can walk away from this episode with a little bit more confidence and hopefully relief, even though Megan said parts of it are going to suck, but it's the, in the suck that makes it great. Oh, yes. God. Be who you are. Just be who you are. There's good stuff <sighs> in being an addict. I promise. I promise. <sighs> 
It's so good. This is how we do on Monday State of Mind. Megan here giving you tips and tricks to help your state of mind work for you so you don't have to suffer in silence or any of the other sufferings that you might be having. Uh, Megan, thank you so much for being on here. Now, if anybody wanted to get a hold of you because they're like, dude, I need to freaking talk to this Megan chick. She really like lit a fire under my butt. What is the best way for our guests to get a hold of you? So it's M for Megan, H-A-U-S-C-H-U-L-Z at HarmonyFoundationInc.com or 970-577-3220. You can leave a voicemail on that number if I don't answer. So that phone number email you guys will be in the show notes so if you guys really want to connect with megan she is here for you megan thank you for showing up to monday state of mind for episode 90 90 90. (laughs) 90. thank you (laughs) i want to go ahead and end this episode by reminding you that if you or someone you know is struggling with addiction please call the harmony foundation at 866-686- 7867. Recovery is a journey and harmony gives you the map. All right, you guys, we'll see you next week.